Thanks very much. Thank you. This is the first time we've addressed uh, a critical um, element of independent film, audience building, and we have some experts here today who are who are um, knee deep and hands on in this uh, very current, very trending, uh, important area. So we're going to get to hear some very practical insights. Uh, Without further ado, let's meet our experts. Over on, um, over on the left, uh, on the far side, is, uh, is Jason Ward, who is the founder of, of Candy Factory Films. Thank you, yes. Uh, I appreciate it, Stephen. Yes, Candy Factory Productions, we're a distribution company. Uh, we, we are a startup. We have a very different uh, concept about how we want to work with filmmakers, how we want to work with independent films, and how we get that out there. Excellent. So, um, uh, Danny, was there anything else that you wanted to tell us about what, what you do personally? We, <laughs> sure. we heard a little bit about, um, about Big Vision, Empty Wallet. What, sure. Tell us about what you do. Uh, my name is Danny Faith Leonard. I'm a writer, producer, and co-founder of Big Vision, Empty Wallet with Alex Cirillo. Big Vision, Empty Wallet is a membership community uh, for producers and content creators. We have members all over the world, even though we're headquartered in New York. And we make sure that producers know their shit. And we make sure that people remain on the cutting edge by providing educational opportunities like panels like this one and we also provide resources so people can create better and more efficiently. Awesome. And um, uh, Alex, and please. I'll tell you my name for the fifth time. It's Alex Cirillo, <laughs> uh, co-founder of Big Vision Empty Wallet. I'm also a producer and um, to expand on what Danny said, outside of Big Vision MC Wallet, which is our community, we just, as of a few days ago, launched Big Vision Creative, where Danny and I come in as producers and consultants and work with filmmakers and creators, producers, um, and really help them expand their projects across multiple platforms and get the, the best experience. It's not just about making a film anymore, it's about creating an, an experience that people can be really involved in and building an audience not just for one project, but for yourself as the filmmaker, as the brand, and not just having that audience for one project, but keeping them and maintaining them so they follow your entire career. Excellent. Thank you, Alex. Next to Alex is Brian Parsons. He's the director of content partnerships at Tug, Tug Distribution. Please. Thanks. Um, yeah, so we're a web platform for filmmakers, for studios to reach out directly to their communities through theatrical engagements as well as community screenings. Um, and it's really about, you know, that direct to fan, direct to network and, you know, utilizing your organizational support. Thanks, Brian. Next to Brian is Ryan Koo uh, from No Film, from the No Film School. And uh, actually, the um, it's not it's the it's the yeah no I can tell the founder of the tell. No Film School and the co-founder of Exit Strategy. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Ryan Koo. I'm a writer director. I uh, just participated in the Sundance Screenwriters Lab last week with a project called Manchild. I'm the co-founder of Exit Strategy, which is a new media production company, which Zach will tell you more about. And I'm the founder of uh, No Film School, which is a website about independent filmmaking. And Zach Lieberman from Exit Strategy. Hey everyone, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm Zach Lieberman, co-founder of Exit Strategy New Media. We, uh, I guess people would call us a transmedia production company, um, but we like to say we're cross-platform, which I'll talk a little bit about later. Um, but we basically, we try to create innovative stories using technology in new creative ways and try to monetize it in a lot of creative ways. Awesome. All right, let's get, uh, let's get the panelists talking. Uh, Jason Ward, you are a, um, a film distribution company. What, what is audience building? What's this, this concept? Um, what is it to a, uh, to a distributor? Yeah, so audience building is really, really important to distribution, more important than ever. Right now we have a cacophony of, of films out there. Uh, production costs have come down. We, we have more and more um, film. So how do you how do you get through? How do you cut through and and get to where we're supposed to go? Rich, I can't talk with you laughing like that. <laughs> um, so 
we like to see that filmmakers have actually done some of the audience building and uh, thought about who their audience is going to be during pre-production so that when you actually get to production, you've actually thought about how you're going to reach your audience uh, in unique ways once you get into post-production. Um, and from the, from the end of that, we really, uh, it's our goal as a company to actually really handle the marketing and social media concepts that go behind the message to kickstart the, dis the discussions for your films. Okay, so Brian, um, since you are also a, a distribution platform, um, tell us, uh, why is audience building important? So, like Jason said, to kind of give you a specific example, you know, crowdsourcing nowadays, you know, use, utilizing Kickstarter, it's very common and, you know, they're raising funds for production, for post-production, for distribution even. Um, but just as important as the monetary value that they're raising, it's the backer network. So already having that built-in network, that community that's going to rally around your film, they've already done it through, you know, direct financial support. Now when you have a finished product, you're able to take it to them directly and you know, they're gonna champion your film and they also have that local you know, word of mouth know about that you don't have, right? So um, an individual in Topeka, Kansas knows you know, who's gonna see your film and they're gonna go out there and they're gonna spread the word. Um, whereas you might not have connections in Topeka, Kansas. So it's kind of really utilizing that built-in network and it's thinking you know, as you're in pre-production, you know, what organizations are gonna support your documentary, your film? Um, who's, go who's giving you money is great, but it's at the, at the end of the line, when you're done with your film, you have to have a network that you're gonna reach directly into. And that's really how Tug kind of gets involved. Wow, pre-production, that's, it seems, um, uh, that's an interesting notion to be thinking about that. Danny and, and Alex, from a producer's standpoint, um, it, what, what's the right time to begin to think about audience building? I think you need to think about audience building when you're writing. Who are you writing your project for? Who's going to see this film? You would never create a physical product and not know who's going to buy it. Um, so I think it's important in the writing of your project to know who your audience is. And I, I don't think people necessarily think about defining their audience so specifically, but I think that's crucial. Before you go out and raise money to put data in your business plan, how can you get that data together if you don't know who your audience is and what their buying power is? Well, Al, I mean, Danny, tell me, how do you define your audience? I mean, you know, what, 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 is there a process to this? There What's is, and I don't think it's always, I don't think it's very easy, especially if you're the writer. It's not necessarily easy to know who your ideal audience member is. Um, as I, and I think a lot of times people have an idea of who they think their audience is, but that's not necessarily who's going to come and see their movie. I think uh, one piece of advice that I got recently that I thought was really great was think about the one talk show you would be going on. To, if you had to go on one talk show to promote your movie, which talk show would it be? And what's the demographic of that audience? Are you going on The Daily Show? Are you going on Wendy Williams? Are you going on Steve Harvey? I fucking hope not. But maybe you are. <laughs> so I think that, that's a, that, that, that was a pretty good tip. Um, and then once you really define who that audience member is, you have to gather as much information about that audience member and, um, and really work that into your business plan. Okay, so Ryan and Zach, you guys are active uh, in, in the creative world. Um, are, when you're pulling your, your projects together, are you, thinking, are you really thinking about audience as you're, um, as you're uh, developing your, your stories? Yes, absolutely, but I think there are two ways you can think about your audience, and that is, uh, you know, if you're starting to build your audience, you want to build it for your entire career, and are you somebody who's going to make um, multiple projects around similar topics? Like, if you're developing political documentaries, then you have a, a certain niche that you can target throughout your career, or are you trying to build an audience for you personally and what you have to say? Um, so for me, the approach was my identity is an independent filmmaker who at the time was uh, unemployed and living in North Carolina with my parents. So it was, I'm gonna talk about the journey, you know, not, not necessarily me, but what is it to be an independent filmmaker and how do you make it and what are the lessons that I learned along the way. Um, so it wasn't really about my actual project, I approached it from building an audience of other people who might be like-minded, but that's just one approach. 
Zach? Yeah, and I, I suppose I'm, I'm the other end of the spectrum. I, I've, I guess I could say I'm, I'm a little bit uncomfortable putting myself out there personally on social networking and Facebook. And for whatever reason, I'm just, I've never quite been comfortable with it. Um, and so, you know, I understand how important it is nevertheless. And so with a uh, project that I'm working on right now for, for the past few years, it's really a cross-platform project. It's a graphic novel, a feature film, and a video game. And the idea was, how do I start to build this property from nothing, basically? And the idea was to make the book. It's simultaneously the cheapest easiest thing to produce, quote-unquote, easiest thing, three years later. Uh, and so the, the idea was to start building my audience and carrying them, carry them from one property to the next. Um, and I think it's going to work. You know, it's starting slow, but I think it's actually going to work out for me. So it sounds like you are uh, building a brand as you develop your audience. Right. So less, less a personal brand, and that's something I need to work on, but, uh, get tips from my main man here, um, and more, yeah, a brand for my, for my property, Max and Charlie. Okay, so Ryan, in the No Film School, do you discuss actual audience building plans? And, and if so, what do they look like? Are they like budgets? Or are they, you know, what's an audience building plan? Do, do you guys? You know, I think um, what Brian said earlier about how Kickstarter is more than, um, you know, just the funding, it's also excellent sort of audience testing. And, you know, there are plenty of uh, production companies and agents and distributors who are watching Kickstarter pretty uh, diligently to find out which campaigns really take off. And if your campaign does take off, you know, that can be an inroad to, to um, a lot of future opportunities. So I think Kickstarter is not just a crowdfunding platform, it's also sort of an audience testing ground almost and finding out um, you know, who your audience will eventually be when you do finish the film down the road. So um, is crowdfunding a, a a valid basis for audience building for the, for the panel, Any, anyone? Yeah, I, I, um, we've, we've talked a lot about this at Candy Factory Productions and we really believe that crowdfunding is a, is a definite way to build your audience. In fact, it should be the primary thing that you do. We also really think and try to encourage filmmakers to consider you know, once you have your script, try to get your funding, get through production, and start your crowdfunding campaign during post-production, right? You already have things that you can deliver to uh, people who are interested in your campaign. Uh, you'll have behind-the-scenes interviews. It's more practical. And I'll tell you right now, you will never plan for all of the things that you will need in your deliverables. So you will always need more money at that point. It's a great way to do it. Then you're not asking for hundreds of thousands of dollars. You're asking for $35,000, $50,000 to help you market your, your film, deliver your film, and uh, prove out your audience. Okay, so, um, so Brian, from Tug's standpoint, what are the best practices that, that Tug um, appreciates when they're first having the dialogue with the producer and, and you, you start asking the questions to try and get your arms around uh, the, the social capital of a project? So, so I think it's important to, you know, for every film, for every filmmaker, to define what success is for them. Um, so if that's ultimately down the road getting distribution, whether it's digital or, you know, that traditional theatrical, it's understanding that and then from that distribution deal, understanding what you want out of that. Um, you know, not just, you know, a 12 city run, but really, you know, hitting a critical mass of, you know, how many people you want to see your film. So, you know, much like Kickstarter, the, when films that go through Kickstarter, there's a reason why a lot of Tug films, you know, that have been very successful have utilized Kickstarter, and that's because their, their audience is already, you know, one, they're already, you know, tech savvy. So they're used to the crowdfunding, they're used to the idea of without, you know, myself and everyone around me really contributing to this process, this isn't going to happen, so let's make this happen. So, you know, with Tug theatrical screenings, you know, uh, hitting a 60-person threshold becomes very, very easy when there's those local, on-the-ground, grassroots word of mouth going versus, you know, you're not spending hundreds or thousands of dollars on radio spots or television spots. Um, instead, you have people that are tapped into their networks really spraying the word. So, you know, with, with what films can do is, you know, one, define their audience base, like they mentioned, and then also define who their organizational support is going to be. Because most documentaries, they have a very distinct message. I, even if it's abstract, there's going to be organizations out there that are more than willing to get behind the film and champion it. And so it's understanding who that is and then kind of merging with them. You know, tug screenings are much more than just a theatrical showing. They're events 
where there's discussions, there's talkbacks. So they become community building and not just around the film, but around the organization as well. So it's kind of those you know, strategic partnerships. Okay, so if I'm hearing you correctly, in addition to crowdfunding, live events is also a, a, a critical way to build audience. Correct, and it's, and it's also maintaining that audience. You know, like you mentioned, if you're making political documentaries and you plan to co go back year after year, <coughs> it's keeping that audience within your network and building a family around it, right? You know, you can you know, do a week-long run and you know, 5,000 people can see your film, but you don't know who those people are. You can do you know, several, a handful of tug screenings and 1,000 people might see your film, but those 1,000 people are now in your family. They're in your community. You're able to go to them. You're able to thank them for your support. You're able to, you know, if your film comes out on VOD, on DVD, you're able to let them know. And then if you release a documentary a year or two years down the line, you're able to, once again, go back to them for their support. Excellent. Uh, Jason, I know that you worked on Comedy Warriors. We, we actually um, spent some time on that project together, and you had the ability to, you attended certain festival screenings and, and um, with some very, very um, uh, animated Q&As. Can you discuss how those live events contributed to, to the goals of, of building an audience. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I wish we'd done more of that. I mean, I wish we'd had a tug campaign for that, actually, and really brought those guys. For anyone who doesn't know Comedy Warriors, we took five injured service people from Iraq and Afghanistan, paired them up with top comedic talent to develop their own stand-up back and perform that in front of a live audience. We had Zach Galifianakis, Louis Black, PJ Novak supporting these burn victims, people missing. And so we would do these screenings. And at the end, they would, uh, you know, interview and talk to uh, uh, the guys who went through the mentoring program to develop their stand-up act. And it was beautiful. It was touching. And, and hearing them do comedy and, and really uh, the taglines healing through humor was really special. But, you know... Uh, Doing a tug campaign and really getting out there and going across the country and doing comedy shows after screening the film in different cities uh, would it's just a really really special concept. Well, the, the good news is I think the comedy warriors producers are are working with tug and will be looking forward to those those kinds of screenings in a campaign uh, this this year. Wow, I did not know that. I'm so excited right now. <laughs> Uh, that makes two of us. Uh, so, all right, so, uh, yeah, fi fired up. We're fired up. All right, so, so we've heard about uh, crowdfunding as an audience building platform and then live events. Jason, was this something you wanted well, to say? Well, it was. I, I really, I hate to interrupt the flow because you're doing such a great job, Stephen, but I keep hearing th something that I have to disagree with slightly. And that was uh, uh, this idea that you kind of brand yourself as a filmmaker and you have to make the same film over and over and over again. You have to make the same content over and over again. I completely disagree with that. You are artists, you have different loves, you're interested in different things. There's nothing wrong with that. The fans of one piece of content that you made may not be the fans for the next piece of content that you make, but if it's quality content, you're gonna build an audience around both of those pieces. Interesting, Alex. <laughs> Could you tell I had something to say about that? Um, I, I I both agree and disagree. Um, you absolutely don't have to make the same film over and over. Um, why would people keep coming back? But I think that you have to have a consistent voice that people connect with and they want to hear over and over. And that way, no matter what your film is about, whether it's a topic that you care about or not, you're going to see it because you love this filmmaker and you love their point of view and you love their style and their voice. Um, um, so no, you shouldn't make the same movie over and over, but I think filmmakers really need to think of themselves as a brand, and you need to build a following that's going to continue from project to project. Okay, so, uh, you know, I like it when you guys disagree, and I'm, I'm, glad you're, <laughs> I'm glad you're not shy with each other, you're comfortable enough with each other, because this is an important topic, and it's sort of a new thing, and there's no one right way to, to do things, correct? And right. Different, uh, different strokes, and I thought, Ryan, what you said about um, uh, filmmakers and producers having the uh, the liberty to define success on their own terms is a really is a good starting point. I, um, actually, Brian said that. Um, all right, so we've had so crowdfunding and uh, and live events. Um, what about are there any other 
Any other um, actions that you can um, recommend? I, in particular, I really want to hear from Big Vision and Empty Wall because they have just blown me away. <laughs> and uh, I have, I mean, I was completely unprepared and, um, for the, the ideas that you have and have, have executed. And so w without further ado, please tell us about if, if you have any other ideas about um, <laughs> activities that could help to build audience. Sure. When we, when we put together, first I'll talk about for a film, because when we put together a business plan for a film, and I'm thinking about um, one of our screenwriting fellows, we've been consulting her on her business plan, uh, and our audience building campaign for her film includes live events, and it includes a crowdfunding campaign not to raise money but to build audience. Um, it includes interactive events. Uh, we really think that things need to be interactive because that's how you get people interested and excited, and it's also how you collect their information, so it's a smart business move too. Um, and also sponsorships and partnerships. If you can partner with other companies and they'll be talking about you and you'll build your audience even more. Um, what am I forgetting? That's it. That's it. Um, so that's for a film, but it, it doesn't only have to be for a film. I mean, you can have a marketing campaign for a marketing campaign, which is kind of what we just did at Sundance, which I guess is kind of crazy. Uh, but at, but anything that you can do to get people involved in what you're doing and planning that out from the start. And I don't think the elements have to be written into the film, but definitely in your plan to produce something, it is how can you get the most people who would be basically evangelizing this project involved from the beginning and carry them through to the end of the process so that you have an audience base when you're either looking for distribution or self-distributing. Alex, do you want to talk about what we have going on at Sundance and how we got people involved in that? Okay, get ready for a shameless plug. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when we decided to come out and sponsor the New York Lounge, um, we didn't want to just show up and speak on some panels as fabulous as this is, of course. Um, you know, we wanted to create more reasons for us to be here and ways of getting recognized. So our name is Big Vision Empty Wallet. So we took a play on our name and we hid 100 wallets all over Main Street, um, inside, outside. And they each have a golden ticket in them. They correspond to a different prize from really generous sponsors. Candy Factory, CJ Webb back there, Indie Street, Surf Costa, uh, Bright Ideas. There are some really wonderful prizes you can win. Um, and to redeem your prize, to find out what you even won, you have to come here to the New York Lounge, take a picture with us in our booth. We get your Instagram, we get your Twitter, we tag you, you tag us. A lot of times when people find the wallets, they take a picture, that way we can see where they found the wallet. And it's being shared with all of their fans and followers, as well as with ours. Um, and it's been very successful so far. It's been less than 48 hours since we've been doing this. And even just before the, uh, the hunt even started, we were getting exponentially more Twitter followers and Facebook followers and Instagram followers because that's where we're putting the clues. That's how you get the hints. And if people want the inside track and the best chance of winning a trip to Costa Rica, yeah. <laughs> that, that is the big prize, is a guided trip for four through Costa Rica. And at the end of our panel, we're going to give you the clue for where that wallet is. Wow. I mean, that's just, that's just crazy. This is a, a, a new generation of, um, of ideas that really um, draw in an audience and make, make this uh, interactive exercise a partnership. I mean, it's, it's really fun to watch. And, um, and I'm looking forward to picking your brain with uh, about about projects and other because it's it really seems like um, a, an innovative direction. Jason, yeah, I have I have a question, and I, and I you know I was so excited to partner with you guys for the New York Lounge. I love the concept. I, I couldn't wait to uh, give our our gift, which is a, a ticket to see the song uh, the film we're distributing, a song still inside when it premieres in New York and dinner in a really nice restaurant there. But my question is this: Do you do you see these activities really working for an individual film? I do. I think you have to create, I mean, you don't have to create interactive campaigns around your film, but you do have to, 
you do have to be delivering content to people in multiple ways to get them involved. I feel like that's something that Zach and Ryan can really talk about with the audience building campaigns that, that they have done. Um, and especially Ryan talking about giving people content. I mean, it used to be that audience building cost money, right? To buy a newspaper ad, to buy old media, TV spots. That costs a lot of money. Um, but, you know, social media at least is free. The only investment really is time. And while I think social media is great, um, you know, Twitter and Facebook, those, those things can be very ephemeral. So the big thing that I say is the most valuable part of building an audience is email addresses. Um, because if you have someone's email address, you can reach out to them when you need to. Uh, they might not be on Facebook or on Twitter, you know, a year later when your movie comes out. But if you send them an email, it goes into their inbox. And not everyone's going to open it, but a lot more people are going to see it than they would if you just went on Facebook and said, hey, my movie's out, you know, please, please go see it. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of tools that you can use to, to sort of gather email addresses and manage those contacts, like MailChimp. I think MailChimp, you can uh, have up to like 2,000 contacts for free and, and email them all at once, which would take a long time in Gmail. Um, but the way to get people's email addresses is you've got to give them something in return. No one's going to say, oh, you know, like, I, I like this filmmaker, therefore I'm just going to give him my, my uh, email address, which is already overloaded with so many newsletters and content. So uh, there are some strategies for filmmakers to do that. Um, a filmmaker named Ryan Geelan, he, he gave away the soundtrack to his movie for free if you signed up with an email address. And those people sort of became, uh, you know, fans for his movie and his next movie after that. Um, on, the, on No Film School, we give away a 120-page PDF on how to make movies with DSLRs. That's free in exchange for an email address. And you can get it and, and unsubscribe, but 90% of people actually stay subscribed because we're not spamming the shit out of them. Um, so I think, you know, uh, what I did with my feature film, Manchild, is I went and I created a short film, which is a prequel to it, called Amateur, and we just released it free online to help build audience and show traction for the feature. Um, so all that stuff is free and all that is building an audience, and, uh, you know, that wouldn't have been possible uh, before the internet. So it sounds like you're really forging a, a direct relationship with your, with your audience. It's, there's, uh, there's a, um, it's substantive. You've, you're you're following up with them and keeping them posted about what you're doing and how you're doing it. Uh, Zach, you, you also uh, uh, deployed a giveaway strategy with, uh, with, a, with a novel approach. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, I'm not sure glasses. I quite recommend this, but, um, <laughs> but it's been an interesting lesson in audience building nevertheless. I, uh, so a few years ago, I fell in love with stereoscopic 3D. I just I, I picked up a 3D camera, and it just felt right. And I kind of committed myself to being a 3D filmmaker. Um, so what I'm doing, Max and Charlie is going to be a 3D film. Anyway, uh, the the question was, how do I get allow people to see the 3D that I was making? And you know, I have to get 3D glasses in their hands or on their eyes rather. And so I came up with the idea of free3dglasses.com, where you give me your email address and your physical address, and I mail you a pair of free 3D glasses. Um, and, you know, this was working really, really well for me. It was, you know, emails were trickling in. I sent, about, sent out about 10,000 pairs of 3D glasses, if you can believe it. Um, and then something happened, and it went viral. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and so I'm up, to, I'm up to almost, I guess, 85,000 email addresses now. Wow. I have their physical locations, over 50 countries. Um, and and I, I just can't quite keep up with it, you know. That's, and and I, I didn't, for whatever reason, I didn't, it didn't cross my mind that that was actually going to happen when I came up with this stupid idea. So again, I'm not sure I can recommend that. Um, but I think the idea is, again, think, about, think outside the box about what you can give people for free um, in exchange for their information because they, they will be with you one way or another for the rest so, of your life. So giving things away for free seems like a, a great way to, to build audience. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, how about great content, memorable content? Th that idea of making quality content, for whatever reason, that doesn't, we don't talk about that enough, I don't think. You know, Qu quality content will find an audience. And I think that that's something else that everybody should be really focusing on is making quality content. Well, Alex and Danny, I know that's really important to you. Um, what kind of uh, content innovations are 
you know, are you thinking about what it, what the, what are the steps that you're taking to make sure that the content you're on which you're working that you guys have has your own brand, your own signature, it's distinctive. Um, you, know, you know, it's easy to say it, but how do you do it? Well, we just started producing together, so now we have to find that we were each working individually. Uh, so now we have to figure out what our new brand is, but I know that it will be exciting and um, I think that we will never work on a project where we aren't distributing it on multiple platforms. One other way is that our membership is uh, invitation or application only. It's really important to us to maintain the quality of the people that we're introducing you to. Um, so in using our community as sort of an incubator for potential projects for us to work on, whether it's a project that won one of our competitions or one of our fellowships, or just a member who has something incredible that we really want to get involved in, um, knowing that those members are at a certain level already is going to be a great way of us maintaining the quality of what it is that we're working on. Okay, so Jason, you're a, a, a new uh, innovative uh, market-driven distribution company, but I know that, that you're not seeking to be, your uh, you know, Candy Factory Productions is not seeking to be all, all things to all, all, all people. You're not looking to distribute every kind of film. You know, what is it that you're looking for? No, How do you find your brand? No, you're absolutely right, and sometimes that, that it becomes a difficult decision. We saw a film the other day, Copenhagen, it's playing at Slam Dance, one of the most beautiful, touching films I've ever seen, well acted. But it's not a film for us. Our company is focused on films that really kickstart a greater conversation. They um, uh, either have some call to action, but not necessarily. Uh, the, the, the greater conversation could be ecological, sociological. Uh, we're distributing a film right now called A Song Still Inside. It's about a young couple. They're both actors. Uh, they have a young baby, and she is getting more work than he is. So it really raises the issues of modern family, stay-at-home dads. Um, any film, those are the types of films that, that we think are in our wheelhouse. And what that means is that we can go online, we can go into social media, we can, kick, we can start a tug campaign and activate networks of people to actually go and participate in an event and then encourage their networks to go and purchase the film on iTunes and Netflix. So that's okay. kind of our plan. Makes sense. Uh, Brian, uh, there are more films being made than ever, but my guess is that not every film is really a, a good potential partner for, for a tug screening. What are, what are the characteristics of, of the best potential content partnerships for tug? Well, first off, um, you know, we, we don't really limit ourselves to the films we work with. We'll work with any film or filmmaker pretty much as long as they have um, means to distribute it digitally. You know, if they have a DCP, we'll work with them. Um, that being said, there are a lot of films that do you know, very well on the Tug platform, and specifically those are documentaries with a very distinct message and a very distinct audience base. Um, because, you know, one, they have a message that's clear and they're able to rally organizational support around that. And those people become their sponsors, whether through direct financial support or through, you know, shared email lists, through shared networks, through social media posts. Um, you know, we worked with, um, we're still working with the Blood Brother documentary from last year's Sundance. Um, and they've been able to gather support from, you know, pharmaceutical companies that are willing to, you know, help promote educational screenings on college campuses. Um, everything from that to working with a documentary about motorcycles and motorcycle community where, you know, within a week span, you know, 10,000 people saw the film in theaters. So it's just being, it's just knowing who you are as a filmmaker, who you are as a studio, and who your audience is. I mean, that's what we keep coming back to, but that's really key. Um, to also touch on what we've been saying is, you know, it's important to make these screenings not just going to a theater, seeing a movie, going home, but making them events. So we've had everything from stand-up comedians hosting a screening of a film that has nothing to do with stand-up comedy, and then afterwards, you know, you get people in an audience and then you have them there and you tell jokes for 15 minutes. Whether, you know, the audience enjoys that or not, I have no idea. But, you know, it, it is an option and it's a way to, you know, make it much more of an event. Um, in addition to that, it's having, you know, fundraise, the ability to fundraise. You know, we allow, you know, a big part of our platform right now is, you know, building the technology around it so that, you know, filmmakers, they're the creative ones. So letting us step back and letting them really step forward and use it. 
So, you know, the ability to make contributions in addition to buying a ticket. You buy a $10 ticket, you make a $15 contribution to a local organization or, a, you know, a national organization. Um, in addition to that, being able to communicate with attendees, you know, whether it's to meet up and grab a beer before the screening or to say, hey, our DVD is now available. Um, you know, please check it out or please spread the word, share this link. So it's really trying to connect those dots, but at the same time, it's allowing the filmmakers to decide how they want to use the technology. Brian, I'm really glad you brought up partnerships, um, and that's something we've touched on a little bit, but uh, I really want to emphasize the importance of strategic partnerships. Um, a really incredible and I don't want to say easy, but easier than some other ways of building your audience is partnering and, and tapping into brands that already have huge followings. Um, if there's something within your film, if your film is about swimming, well, call up Speedo and make sure that they're a partner and maybe you're doing some branded content with them um, or what, whatever way you're partnering, you want to get access to their following. Um, and a really great way of doing that is doing it through nonprofits because then you're doing something charitable, you have this social action component of your project and you're tapping into the, the following of this nonprofit. And I think that's, I mean, that the general concept is one of amplification, that if you reach somebody that have many more followers than you, that can make a big difference. And that's not necessarily just brands, that can also be uh, individuals. Um, when I was running a Kickstarter campaign for my feature, it's a basketball feature, so we started reaching out to people in the NBA world. And um, as a result, Jeannie Buss, who's the executive of the Lakers, and happens to be married to Phil Jackson, who's the winningest coach of all time in basketball. Um, they saw the campaign and they backed it because they saw it on Twitter. Um, these are not people I've ever met in my life that I have no idea, you know, they have no idea who I am, but they saw my campaign video and then as a result we wrote a press release and that was able to get us to the finish line by um, giving us credibility in the world that our market was, was in. So it's not just brands, it can be partners of, of any type, and that's one way that I think, that's one of the best elements of what Twitter allows you to do, is because it's, everyone's on it, it's very short, um, it can be hard to reach people, but if you're on it when they're on it, maybe you can, you know, spend no money and just try to, try to reach the people you're looking for. And real quickly along those lines, you know, as filmmakers, you know, so much of this industry is, you know, working with one another and, you know, kind of cross promotion. So, you know, a lot of films that we work with, they have, they find promotion, um, they find people hosting screenings of their films that are also other independent filmmakers because it's all a shared community. So we have filmmakers that will host screenings of either independent films or we've had a filmmaker that hosted a diehard screening and then showed a trailer of his film that he's working on to the audience. So he got an audience that has no idea what his film is about. They just love Die Hard. And by creating that event, he was able to share with them, speak about his film, speak about his project, and potentially gain you know, a few dozen converts to you know, the film that he's making. Wow, I mean, it's really limitless. Uh, one of the great things about uh, working in New York is we have um, a tremendous community, um, some of whom are, are here today, and I was hoping that we might be able to get um, some comments or questions from, from the folks who are here today. If you have any questions, all I ask is that you, you stand up so that we can hear you, and uh, got your, this is your chance to speak with the experts. So comments, questions, right, right in front. So I, I, you were talking to me, so I couldn't hear. Is that anyone else can repeat that? Uh, one of the one of the some filmmakers that I think are really um, great examples of audience building are the um, James and Lisanne who made uh, Indie Game, the movie, a documentary, and the concept that they did is they they actually said no to all their distribution offers and they did a theatrical tour. Um, so they were physically there in person, but I think one of the ways to make a screening into an event, if you can't be there, if there's a screening in Poland or something, is you can do a live stream Q&A with the filmmakers after your screening. So everything you can do to make the experience more unique and more personal than just a screening uh, can help, and that, that's just one way that came to my mind. Okay, great. So uh, what Richard's saying, when we're responding to the questions, let's uh, try and respond in a full sentence so that uh, the people who are live streaming can, can uh, be in on the conversation. Okay. So the question is, um, 
Everything we're talking about seems to really function well for documentaries. How would it really work in a narrative scenario? And the truth is it works really well because uh, narratives have conversations in and of themselves. Narratives kickstart um, issues. Um, I am really hoping to pick up a film here that is about drunk driving and, and a family that's been affected by a drunk driver. Um, it's a narrative, it's a beautiful film, beautifully shot, fantastically acted. Um, but sometimes those issues are easier to digest um, in a narrative uh, situation as opposed to looking to real people. And it still means that people can get behind it. You know, Matt is still going to activate and show up to an event-based screening about this film. Uh, people will talk about it. And it's all about defining your audience at the beginning and then kind of understanding how you might change as, as your story might change. But as long as you're thinking about who that audience is going to be that you're going to activate, you'll find them at the end of the, the process. Brian? And to give you kind of a specific context within the Tug platform, um, you know, every film has a cast and every film has a crew. Um, so there's a specific film we work with that was a narrative film about Alzheimer's where just the cast and crew um, through screenings did 25 theatrical screenings. Um, they had a hometown screening that sold, you know, almost 300 tickets and then they were like, well, you know, we have so much more demand. They ended up doing three or four screenings in their hometown just through the filmmaker's mother. She just knew everyone in the hometown and she was able to bring in the audience. They trusted her and so, you know, by her saying, hey, come see my son and daughter's film, they said, okay, let's do it. And they went and bought their tickets and filled the theater four, I think, four times. Um, and then kind of, you know, expanding on that a little bit, you, you know, like you said, if you have an audience and if you have a message, it doesn't matter if you're a documentary, it doesn't matter if you're a narrative film. Um, we, way, you know, in our early stages, we worked with Iron Sky, who did a, who had a, just a massive backer network. And, you know, we did something like, over the course of a month and a half, you know, 70 um, screenings in 70 cities, um, just through those fans. And it was just people that just loved sci-fi and just loved the filmmakers. Yeah, I want to back up what Brian just said. Uh, I'm actually familiar with that Alzheimer's film. I actually went to a tug event with, that the filmmakers were there. We loved the movie. We wanted to pick it up. They had already sold uh, the rights, but we talked about their experience with your company, and it actually convinced us that this is what we wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm also a narrative filmmaker. I'm not a documentary filmmaker, and I've never made a feature before. Um, but to do all these things, I think uh, the, the important thing is it's your passion for the project. And that comes through. Um, that came through in my Kickstarter campaign video. That's how you know Phil Jackson ended up backing it. I've never made a feature. I'm not experienced in that way. But if you just have that passion for your project, I think that's, uh, you know, uh, I'm forgetting the word, but good. <laughs> and I, I just want to say, I think it's a little bit of all of these things, you know, it's like inviting people to see the behind the scenes stuff, invite people to see what your writing process is like, uh, start a blog, start tweeting, and it's just like have personal interactions, even if you gain one viewer, you have a personal interaction with that person, they're going to tell somebody about it, and so it's like do a little bit of all of these things and just keep at it, one foot in front of the other, and slowly, slowly but surely it'll build up. Uh, I, I just have to observe that it's it's hard enough to make a great film, but you know, in this in this new Renaissance paradigm, it seems like the content uh, creator also needs to be an entrepreneur, and and um, you know that's a you know it's an opportunity, but it, it's also um, uh, a, an awesome uh, task to, to do. It's a lot of things to to get right. H how do you how do you do that? How do you accomplish it all, Alex? Well, I think you need a really great team. You need collaborators and a support system because when it comes to making a movie, the director needs to focus on the creative, and the producer needs to be doing the business. Well said. Questions? Crowd crowdfunding fatigue panel possible? I think I think there. Definitely is an oversaturation. I mean, I just have to look through my email to to show you that. Um, but I think that people will just have to find new and interesting ways to run a crowdfunding campaign, new kind of rewards to give, um, and interesting ways to go about it so that it's not the same as every other campaign. Otherwise, yeah, I agree. There is this oversaturation, and it seems like everyone's just asking you for money for a poster or a signed script. So I think. 
I mean, we, through our company, we have a partnership with Rocket Hub, and we end up coaching a lot of our members on their campaigns, and all of our members get to meet with their CEO, Brian, who's an awesome guy, um, and that is something that he stresses so much, uh, that the rewards really need to be something that gets people more involved in the film, um, instead of something that they're not necessarily going to appreciate. I also think that goes back to what Jason had said earlier about not crowdfunding for production money, but crowdfunding for post money. There's a lot less risk for those people if you already have the film in the can and you're just trying to do something more with it. Brian, um, fatigue? Um, just real quickly, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think there, it's possible that, very possible that there's fatigue, but I think at the end of the day, you know, people are voting themselves with their money by backing it. So ultimately, if you're not successful, you know, that doesn't mean you know there's oversaturation. Just means that your campaign didn't reach its audience base. You didn't get the support. But ultimately, you know, if if you're putting out content, you're going to Kickstarter. If you're going to Indiegogo, if you have you know the right perks, the right film that you're creating, the right content that you're creating, people are going to vote. People are going to are very comfortable now. I think it's only going to increase because people like doing that. They like to feel like they're a part of something. When they're directly involved, they're much more comfortable when the fi finished product comes out with spreading the word because they helped made it. They're a part of it now. They, they feel a direct you know, link to the director, to the producer, versus you know, a film that gets you know, completely private funding and then goes out and does you know, TV spots. You know, they still might be interested in the film, but they're not, they might not be interested enough to say, I, I gave this film 50 bucks, you know, here's what they sent me, you really should check it out. Yeah, and I want to say that um, it's easier than ever to actually find what you're passionate about, right? And the things that you're truly passionate about, you're going to commit to. You're going to give to that crowdfunding campaign. Yes, you have to weed through all those other emails of the stuff that you don't want to do, but there's always that three or four things that you're like, yeah, I really want to support this, and it's just a matter of finding those people for your project. I don't actually, I don't mind when Kickstarter campaigns fail. I think, as I was saying about audience development, it's, it's audience testing. And it kind of bothers me when someone goes and hires a, a crowdfunding consultant and it's all about making this, this, uh, this you know, business decision of trying to make sure you achieve the goal because it's you putting your idea out there in the world and saying, hey, I need help. This is the idea that I love and that I'm passionate about. Are you too? And if people aren't, then you can go back to the drawing board and, and, and you know, figure out what to do instead. But, but I think that um, there are a lot of things to look at when you're choosing a platform. One of them is what is the size of the audience that that platform is bringing to you. It's not a matter of whether they take 5% or what that is. It's, uh, you know, you can go to, uh, you know, look at traffic stat stats and say, how does Kickstarter compare to Indiegogo, compare to Rocket Hub? And if they select you, if they curate your project, how many people are they getting it in front of? And I also think that um, the fact that your campaign has a, a drop dead, do or, do or die goal at the end can be a tremendous motivator for people to get on board at the end. And that gives you a lot of momentum that you might not have elsewhere. Danny? Um, I. I tend to believe that it's more about the project than the platform. I think that if people ran the same campaign on the different platforms, it would probably do about the same. Um, I, I just want to say don't sleep on, on uh, Seed and Spark for the right project. It's a, a tremendous platform, liberating, and really is, a, is very um, filmmaker-centric. So, but I, I think your, your point about, uh, about um, it's not really one size fits all. Each platform has its strength, and it really you need to customize. The, you you need to understand um, what uh, what each of the plat what's different, what's distinct and special about each of the platforms, and understand your project too, so you can customize the fit. It's you know it's not not generic, right? Um, any any other questions? Right in front. So the. The tension between internet privacy uh, and and getting information uh, about and from your audience. How do you do that? How do you reconcile that? Um, I mean, we have a messaging feature on our site that allows event promoters to message attendees. You can opt out if you don't want to receive that message. I mean, I know I'm on tons of mailing lists that I probably should unsubscribe from, but I just move it to I just archive or delete it. Um, you know, what we found is that most people are pretty okay with receiving emails as long as they're not threatening or they're not, you know, strange content within the emails. If it's just, you know, information or how to get a discount on something, they're, they're fine with just brushing it into their archive folder. But, you know, the ability to opt out, I think, is you have to have that. 
Um, I think it's really important to have an email list. You have to have an audience, um, whether it's to leverage a really great distribution deal or you don't get traditional distribution and you're distributing digitally, you can get directly to these people. You're either using it as leverage or a way of getting your film out there. And um, I don't think that people are gonna give you their email if they're not in support of your projects. So ideally, you're reaching out to people who already care about what you're doing. Yeah, and at, at the end of the day, it's all opt-in. I mean, people, you give people the chance to opt out, obviously, but they're, they're giving you their information because they want to. And, and that's, that's the fundamental aspect of this. You have to give them a reason to give you their information. Jason? Well, I, I feel like maybe your question was a little more about marketing statistics and kind of looking at that a little bit. And, and um, you know, truthfully, I, I, you know, I'm a little uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable with that. Um, I'm uncomfortable with all of that. We seem out there in a way that we've never been out there before, and it seems easier than ever for companies to get information about us. That being said, there's a lot of companies that compile that information, and, and yeah, it's there already. We, we kind of have to use it to be able to market well. Okay, uh, last question right here in front. Do distributors uh, look at the, uh, the social capital of a project in, in determining whether or not they they're want to make an acquisition or they may want to forge a partnership? Yeah, there's no question. And it's not that the filmmaker has to have been amazing in building an audience before the film's even out there. But the fact that they've, they've gotten the word out, that people are interactive with their content, that people are showing interest in their content, makes a big difference. Um, because it, it really kind of proves it out. It really goes back to this concept of, uh, you know, really making your film and then doing crowdfunding, right? Because if you made your film, people already believe in the script. People already believe in what you're doing. You've gotten investors on board. It's uh, justified. People are behind it, right? It's the same thing uh, all the way down the road. How many Facebook people you have, how many Twitter followers you have, how many emails you might have, anything else that you have. It's very meaningful to us. Okay, so uh, any, any final comments? Because we're about to wrap it up. Yeah, I would just say to that, whether you have an email list of 100,000 people or just 1,000 people who are super excited about what you're doing, it's, it's very valuable. And 1,000 people who are extremely passionate about what you're doing is actually more valuable than 100,000 people who have just heard about you and you happen to have their email. And, you know, but what these guys have done, and specifically what Zach did with the 3D glasses, um, I think that's such a good example of giving something to someone and then if you have their information after that, you've already created this valuable relationship. So I think that building an email list of people to, to present to a distributor and being able to say that these people have already had an interaction with you is, is what's really valuable. I think, I think a lot of us as filmmakers, when we set out to, to write or direct or both, never thought, oh, you know what I want to do with my time is I want to be on Facebook and I want to be on Twitter and I want to be doing all that stuff. Uh, certainly I didn't. It was out of necessity that I did because I wasn't going to make it any other way. Um, but I think what Danny was saying about, you know, if you do have a smaller number of passionate fans, one of those people might be willing to come on board and help you with this if you don't want to do it yourself. And there's this concept of the producer of marketing and distribution out there Someone who's just, you know, the qualifications for doing this is just a passion for your topic and the ability to use, you know, Facebook, Twitter, um, and then some, some analytics tools to sort of track these things. But those people on your team can do it if, if you don't want to. I think that's an important point, too. Right, well, thanks for a very thorough discussion about audience building. I want to especially thank Big Vision, Empty Wallet, for hosting this panel and for, um, for turning the world of audience building up uh, upside down here at uh, in Park City with their with this find a wallet campaign and the nice thing about this this panel is that they're not only experts they're really good people so you should absolutely go go to them see if um, if you can get a clue about where the next wallet uh, is but 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 um, <laughs> you can apps they're very approachable so please uh, feel free to to come over afterwards and uh, I just want to say um, thank you very much for for participating everybody